Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting and knowledge-packed hour of Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and speaking of exciting and knowledge-packed, I am here with <laughs> Professor Extraordinaire Dr. Jan Hill. <laughs> Packed with something. Do you love that? Packed with something, yeah. exactly. We'll say it's knowledge. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Cool, cool. So, listen, I, I was going to ask you about, and I'm sure everybody wants to know, about your latest acquisition, and you brought your puppy here. Today was bring your puppy to work day. <laughs> i got to get a puppy. you got to get one. <laughs> uh, it's so cute. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, he's really, very quiet. Very quiet. Yeah, what well, makes up for us? Yeah. Well, I realized, yeah. too, she's the first dog I've ever had that isn't scary looking. Oh, really? Yeah. She's oh. very, she's not scary at all, right? She's just. No, no, not at all. Not at all. You like yeah. the kind of the big rugged looking. Yeah, the macho kind of. I mean, you know, the ones they all made dog. illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was thinking, well, that's kind of an interesting thing. It occurred to me the other Your day. Your dog is sniffing my leg right now. There you go. Okay, She's just so friendly. you know, we're, we're bonding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so have you ever heard of something called the imposter syndrome? Live it every day. With it every day. Is that true, eh? Uh, so it's actually a very common experience. Um, it sounds rather ominous. Uh, sounding, but uh, a very large uh, percentage of the population, like up to 70% of the population, at some point in their life will experience uh, the imposter syndrome. Now, it's not a diagnosis. Mm. It's not a disorder. It's not in the DSM-5, but it is incredibly common, and I thought it was something that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, because it's just a phenomenon. It is a phenomenon. It's a bizarre phenomenon, you know, uh, because basically what it is... Um, is you feel that you're a fraud. Yep. And you hope that no one's going to find out about it. Yep. And it doesn't matter how many successes you have, how many degrees you have, they're going to find out that somewhere you faked it. Right. And let's be clear that the thing that makes this an imposter syndrome, the imposter syndrome, is that you actually have to have accomplished something. That yes. You, right? So yes. if you're just a liar... And you're afraid someday someone's going to find out you they lied? Will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's just that. common sense. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, you're not an imposter. Yeah. You're a liar. Right? <laughs> no, we're dealing with actually, you know, the psychological, you know, phenomena, this pattern. And they call it imposterism, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and just has this persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Yeah. It's a process. You become imposterized. There's an imposterization. Uh, God, is, that is that part of the needles you get when you're born? I don't know, but born? I just like the word. It's a great <laughs> Sounds word. Sounds like immunization. Yeah, imposterization. Okay, yeah. I missed that. I missed that injection. Yeah, so like I'm curious as to how this imposterization process begins and well, how it carries on. I know it, it's. What's it all about? Well, you've got, um, you know, it was first coined, actually, in 1978. Um, two psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they did some. Um, some work went around this area and began to discover that more and more uh, 
people had it. Now, they really uh, lean towards it was more women. Right. Um, and it was women in academia. It was women right. who are in academics that were the most susceptible because that's probably where they were. You know? Right. Uh, and it's also business and, uh, business and law, right? So, oh, oh, it's in medicine. It's in, yeah. it's in uh, people who do radio shows. <laughs> people. <laughs> but I think, I think the emergence of the interest in this had to do with women, mostly upper yes. class educated women, mostly white women, who uh, have, were finding themselves in, um, in environments that were not necessarily welcoming to women, yep. and yet they had accomplished whatever it was that they needed to accomplish to get there, and yet they were finding that they didn't quite fit in. Right. right? So there's that internal process of, hey, I don't really fit in, and I don't know what's going on. It must be me, because of Therefore. course, if you internalize everything, you internalize that too, right? It must be me, <laughs> and there must be something wrong with But yeah, there's an interesting thing. piece around that we're, we'll get to in Good. just a minute, uh, about actually having a belief more in your own evaluation, Mm-hmm. than in these other people, even though they're making us feel like we don't fit in. Right. So uh, and if you are in a marginalized community, mm-hmm. if you are a black woman, if you were a, a gay woman, uh, that that really compounded the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. uh, 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 so any marginalization amongst these you know white academic women uh, made it even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, over the course of time, there has been tons of studies done now in this area, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's very equally uh, distributed uh, between men and women. Right. Yeah. It's just that men never never talk about it, but there are like multi-billionaires that are running corporations and they're terrified at some level that they're going to be uh, exposed that they don't know what they're doing. Right, exactly. Their shareholders probably tell them that every day. I wonder (laughs) if Elon Musk has that problem. (laughs) Well, yeah, he he did. Um, (laughs) The whole Tesla thing. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Suddenly that that just become a lot funnier. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, what the interesting, other interesting part about then, so here's someone who feels like they're a fraud, um, and yet they, they are accomplished. They have yep. to be accomplished. Uh, but I think, you know, accomplished is also, you know, I think just uh, uh, just trying to be a mom. I mean, there are moms that feel this way. Sure. You know, or opening up a, a small business, a corner store, the mm-hmm. all of those things of just feeling almost like you're no longer, uh, you know, treading on, on the water. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with, like, okay, so we live in a world where we have these social rules and we have these very delimited views of who people are and what they are. And so, like, if you are an astronaut, then you have to have all these following criteria that, that would make you an astronaut, for example. And let's face it, people are diverse. You can be an astronaut and not necessarily have all of the qualities that we think of in popular culture as denoting an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you think of moms, right, somebody might be a great mom, but they might not be the one who makes the brownies every Tuesday for the bake sale. Right. So they might feel like, I'm not that great of a mom. I'm some imposter, right? Yeah. I hope no one finds out that I went and bought them at Loblaws or something, exactly. right? Don't buy the Loblaws. Yeah, terrible. and so it has uh. a lot to do with the way in which our sense of self uh, um, aligns with the social construction of who and what it is we're supposed to be according to these. Yeah. These whether rules. we sort of buy into that. I think or not, so. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the, um, you know, things is, is that in this one, I'm going to, is that people are unable to internalize their accomplishments. Mm. Now mm. we, uh, we talk a lot about 
you know, and help people not to internalize other people's opinions and, right. and, and people being rude and people being, you know, people can be very hurt very badly because of uh, uh, internalization. Yet in this case, it's kind of interesting because they are unable to, to take a look at, the, you know, whatever's on their wall of all their degrees or awards or whatever, and it's not going to go in. Right. Who is that person? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know who that person is. So here's something that's just occurring to me. So often highly accomplished people, uh, like people who do the award thing and do the certificate thing and all that kind of thing, are um, they're people who live in the moment and in the future. Yes. So what happens is by the time they're finishing off one degree, they're already, their brain is actually into the next place. Oh, absolutely. So they're planning and they're organizing for the next thing they're going to do, right? So to actually sit down and absorb, oh, wait a minute, I finished that, I accomplished that, that's done, oh, yay for me, they're not going to spend the time doing that. They're just not going to do that because now they're on to the next piece, their future oh, yeah. years. Yeah, right? they're, they're not going to spend a lot of time on this. No, exactly. Because it's like boom, boom. The most successful people are the people who are you know burning, burning rubber behind them. Yeah, but it's not exactly that they're not the most balanced people because you can't live no. in the future, right? <laughs> this is exactly the thing. You you have to spread out across all time frames, I guess, You're right? Spread out too thin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, time definitely plays a, a role in it. The other phase, too, then, is then – uh, one of these awards and, and you know stuff like that. So it's a, there's a very deeply held belief of intellectual phoniness. Mm. And it sounds like this. Man, I got so lucky this time. Pretty soon I'm getting found out and people will realize that I don't have a clue as to what I'm doing or talking about. Right, 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 right. You know, that's sort of that, that deeply held belief that yeah. it's, it's all fake. Uh, despite lots of evidence to the contrary, uh, like degrees and promotions and a string of career successes, people who experience the imposter syndrome uh, are unable to just internalize and accept their successes. Right. It's interesting, right? When you think about it. It really it really is, you know. Like we talk about, you know, people about fear of failure, but this is this is uh, not only where they they didn't not they didn't fail, they were successful. They just can't take it in. But I think that's partly because though because it's this idea of that goes with it, is this idea that I can't fail. And so if you're successful and you like, I don't know, you make it to level one or level three or level eight, you already know there's a level nine and level ten. Right. So okay. maybe it goes with some sort of perfectionism, this idea that I can't fail. So just getting to level two might actually feel like a failure right. if there's seven levels. Right. Right. And then right. if, but if you're the person who's at level one, you go, oh, wow, you made it to level two. Great for you. Yeah. There's a formula that, that I'm going to give uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. And it, one of it is maladaptive in, uh, perfectionism. Ah. Yeah, perfection is very much plays in, into here. In fact, we're gonna, let's look at the imposter cycle. Okay, uh, because interestingly, it goes in two different directions. Mm-hmm. And that is, let's say I dump an assignment on you. Uh, now, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to procrastinate okay. or you're going to overdo it. You're going to work that, that project to the bone. Okay, so uh, the individual who responds like by, with their procrastination, once the task is completed, there'll be like this accomplishment and feeling of relief. Um, but then a positive feedback is given to them about it. Oh, can you give me an example? Uh, well, if somebody says, you just did a really good job on uh, the script you just wrote or the book you just finished or, or whatever, uh, uh, they're going to they're gonna take that and they're totally going to discount your opinion about it. Right, right, right. right? They're going to just, you know, what do you know about books? Because you don't know you anything know? about it. Yeah, 
What do you right? know from cream cheese? You what know? do you know about that? Uh, and and so that's what they do. So the, the person who actually procrastinates getting the thing done and then goes frantically into it and gets it done, they're the ones that will discount. Now, the ones who have overachieved or over overdeveloped uh, in terms of overpreparation, with a successful outcome, of course, uh, as a, it will be as a result of hard work. Right. All right. right. There's no no luck. It's just hard work. So the individual responds by procrastination. Uh, they will view the outcome as a matter of luck. The imposter cycle gaining success through hard work and luck is not interpreted as a matter of true personal ability. So, so either one that, can't see it. As yeah, ability. but you know what? It's interesting because if you blame it on luck, if it becomes a function of luck, yep. then somehow you're no longer accountable. Well, uh, and that that's can very be, true. Really, that lack of accountability can be really great in terms of alleviating stress. And if you're a perfectionist, right, you want to have the stress relief. Right, but it can be very dangerous. And, and uh, I think both a corporate and a personal environment. Yeah. You know, where it's like, well, I was just lucky this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I got whatever, you know, a uh, project done or whatever. Um, but, yeah, you're right. There, is, there isn't taking that accountability that said, I worked really hard to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The agency piece, right? Yeah, I also well, like the exactly. idea that, you know, success is no big deal, right? When you're a, an imposter, you've got that success is no big deal thing. So that also alleviates the stress. Right, right, right. Because stress is, you know, stress and shame are playing throughout mm-hmm. here enormously, you know. But I, I still think that in not being able to take uh, um, responsibility or agency, uh, you know, I still, I still think that we can't go through life that way. Right. Well, right. You know? So who, what happens when it goes up to the next level and someone says, so who did this? And, uh, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. Not me. Not me. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. You know, and, and that happens like that happens out there on the street, let alone in corporations and families. Sure. You know, I, I joked about it once about you know having you know someone yeah. living there who every time I said, "Who put this in the fridge?" Well, I didn't do it. Not me. You know, exactly. Somebody did. Um, so the, the this sequence of events, you know, just serves as a reinforcement of causing the cycle just to remain consistently in motion. Um, so with every cycle. Feelings of perceived fraudulence, increased self-doubt, what else? Is there anxiety, depression? They all accumulate. Yeah, so that idea, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking that that idea that I can't fail Mm -hmm. is also connected to this sort of totalized identity, right? Yep. That, That you have. So if you are a good mom, if that's part of your good mom identity, and uh, and that has a long list of criteria that you have to meet, then anything, getting the cupcakes from Loblaws is perceived as a failure rather than just a whoops, okay, I was up too early with the kids from hockey. Exactly, right? exactly. You know, so this, this, this just, you know, continues to haunt the person. You know, these, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, perceived, you know, personal uh, failures or successes that they're not taking in, you know, believing that at any point, they're going to be exposed. And that's the other really big piece here is that someone's going to say, oh, well, nice job, but uh, where'd you buy it? Yeah. <laughs> well, where'd it you makes go me think it? too, like, okay, so there's something to be said for invisibility. There's safety and invisibility, right? So if you're plodding along and you're accomplishing what you wish to accomplish because you are enjoying accomplishing things, 
right? The the more you accomplish, the greater you risk being noticed. Well, absolutely. But see, these people aren't seeing the their themselves, though. When we're experiencing the imposter piece, we're not seeing ourselves as being successful at all. Mm. You know, like anything that says fear of exposure is is also saying this is a shamed behavior. Shame or- is all about being... Uh, uh, keeping that secret mm-hmm. and not letting that come out. I wonder too if it has something to do with like gets back to that time thing, future focused versus versus past focused or whatever, right? If it has something to do with the incapacity to complete, right? To recognize completion, right? Do you know what I mean? Like when you clean your house, you yeah, yeah, yeah. You vacuum, yeah. Well, oh, it's don't never know, finished. Yeah, do the dishes, <laughs> yeah, whatever, but it's never finished, right? Yeah. But for some people, it is finished. I vacuumed. I did the dishes. That was, yeah, I, I did it last toilet, month. All done. It was done right? last month. What else do you do? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder if there's a correlation between people who have problems finishing things. So, they never can recognize completion, which means they can never recognize success or failure. But these people are successful. These people might have a certificate, a degree. Uh, there's some completion that's taken place for them to have these sort of accolades in their life. But the completion piece is actually only structural. That completion is imposed on them. So for the PhD thing, right? Yep. Everybody knows that when you get your PhD, right, and you've read everything that you could possibly read, blah, 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 <laughs> that in fact, it marks the end for other people. For other people who are students, they go, wow, now you're done. But it actually marks the beginning of another thing for everybody else, for the people who complete the PhD, because now you're at the bottom of the rung right. of the whole professorial thing. Right, exactly. So speaking of the bottom of the rung, we're at the bottom <laughs> of this section, and we will be back with things worth considering. Um, Gord, uh, Jen's with us, and we will be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. 
We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and uh, welcome back uh, to Things Worth Considering. And what we're considering today is imposters. Actually, not imposters, but when we might ourselves feel like an imposter, which 70% of the population uh, has uh, experiences at some point. So let's let's uh, go to another site here, Rod. Do you ever, uh, how, do, how are you accepting compliments? Do you accept them easily? Uh, no. If somebody says they love my dog, I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. Of course. No, I think compliments for me, that's an interesting question. I, I kind of don't care what other people think about me. You know, mm. like I'm just old now. So oh, please. it's kind of like, I just now. don't care. So you like my shoes? That's great. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, and, and a compliment sometimes, depending on what it is. It's, you know, people I think are often assuming if they would compliment my character or something would assume. So they're, they're just assuming that they know things about me that they don't know. Right. right? Okay. Because I'm kind of a private person, as you know. But... Yeah, so I I discount them. Yeah, oh, so you discount them? Yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, they're just shoes, or yeah, yeah, it's just a degree. So how's your imposterism? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I have it anymore. I feel because I think it's because the things that I might have had imposter syndrome about when I was younger, because I look young, right? So that also was a problem. Um, is that uh, I think I'm over it. Yeah. I just like it's just my job. Yeah. So blah blah blah. I get paid. I mean, it's like it's nice if someone says that's always an awesome class or an awesome lecture. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice to get that kind of a compliment. It is. It's nice to say, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. For me, it was torturous. No, <laughs> right? But no, I'm glad that they enjoyed it. But if they said they didn't enjoy it, it wouldn't. It would. I wouldn't lie yeah. awake thinking about it. Well, a lot of people are totally self-deprecating though when mm. it comes around to to taking taking some sort of a, a compliment. You know, it's like, oh, I really like your shirt. Oh, this thing? Ah, five bucks at Winners. Yeah. You know, or, or, or at Marshalls or whatever. Uh, you know, rather than just saying, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's like when we have to, you know, I think it's it's a whole thing of when we have to f- say no to an invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd really like you to come over and share turkey this weekend for Thanksgiving. Right. But. What happens is, is that we have to give a whole explanation as to why we're not coming. We can't just say, oh, thanks for asking, but no. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, I think my mom's going to come back into this from the spirit world and my dad's going <laughs> to, you know, pop through as well. Got to hang like, out. They're gonna, yeah, we're all hanging out together. My brothers are going to drive up. Uh, it, it's like we have to give this whole explanation for just a no. Is that because we're afraid of negative uh, of course, yeah, we want we want to we want to please people and and so on. So I think that you know, well, humility and a little modesty is kind of nice. Uh, you know, I think that some of the the extremes that we go to in terms of self deprecating behavior, mm-hmm. even even uh, like at humor. I mean, a lot of humor is very self deprecating. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so this leads me to think about why it is that people compliment other people. If you think about it, right? Is it an attempt to make a connection? Somebody says, "Gord." I like your shirt. If I said Gordon, you have it. Right. Well, <laughs> no, part of it is, right? Yeah. Are you going to say, 
Yeah, me too. Presumably, you bought it because you yeah, like it. Exactly. Who goes out to buy a shirt, a shirt that they hate? The only one that was clean, actually. That's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at some point you bought it because you liked it, right? Yeah, exactly. Or I was gifted it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, like- it is... Um, you know, when somebody does come over and say say something like that, you know, it it is right. But I think that it, it's it's just an opening, you know, rather than just coming up and going. So how are you? Because mm-hmm. no one no one answers that mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like if we we would be there for a week if people answered it honestly. Right. Know? Yeah. So uh, uh, you know, we have our standard. I'm fine, or I'm pretty good. Yeah. And people don't even hear that part. Nope. You know, so hey, how are you? So this, uh, you know, before you can even say, oh, I, you know, I broke my arm and my, you know, my left leg's hanging here. Uh, <laughs> so this paper that you sent over to me, uh, blah, 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 you know, it, they're like taken off already, and they don't even notice. Like, you know, I'm probably in the hospital in, in, uh, <laughs> in jazz right. or something. You know, it's just like as long as they get their question answered. Yeah. So how you accept a compliment is uh, is related to imposter syndrome. Um, I think so. Okay. I think so. In what way? You can't accept a compliment. You can't. Uh, You're less able to accept a compliment. I think that. Uh, yeah, I think. I think that what it does is it sort of underscores our our uh, achievement. Huh. You know, or that we're looking good, or that we're looking this or that, or you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, why do we give compliments? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I just think it's a way of connecting, mm-hmm. and I think that everybody needs some—well, not you, but mm-hmm. uh, everyone else does—a little bit of reassurance mm-hmm. that you know, there's still have a place for them in the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, you—you you should. I think your bus is leaving. You know, like get out of get town. Out. Get off the earth. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, it's a way of connecting, but uh, it's also a way of, of just sort of validating that we're still doing, you know, an okay job or right. that we're appreciated. You know, I mean, this isn't about not having an ego. This is about, you know, understanding what our ego requires and, and being able to, you know, have those needs met in a healthy way. Right, right. Not in an unhealthy way. Most people have, because they're out of out of touch with what the ego is, the ego gets a little bit on its uh, on its high horse. And then it, to moderate it becomes much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so they're driven by, by behaviors and thoughts and feelings that they're not really fully aware of. And they do it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. That is self, you know, the self-harming. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's to be not self harming. It's to be in a healthy, a healthy way. So I think that you know you can't ignore the ego and think that the ego is going to just go off into the still night. You know, right, it's going right, to go. Right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm here. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so do you see imposter syndrome as a form of self harming behavior, in a way, um, or a self harming mindset? I think it can be. You know, it depends to what extreme, as as uh, almost everything, there's a spectrum here. Yeah. You know, uh, as you said, you don't really feel this anymore. Uh, yeah. Other people, you know, I, I, I don't really feel it anymore. But boy, when I opened the school, you know, uh, 31 years yeah. ago, uh, I walked to school every morning. I had a knot in my stomach. The, the whole yeah, language yeah, yeah. was, who, who yeah. the hell do you think you are? Why don't you listen to people? Yeah. And I'm like, no, because they said no, and that means I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, like maybe part of it is about releasing oneself from the impact of our actions on other people, but in a sociable way, not like in a psychotic way, right? Right. <laughs> in a psychopathic way or something, right? But in a, in a way of like, okay, well, this is a school and, you know, come here if you want and don't if you don't. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, uh, uh, Carl Richards, he's a, a writer for the uh, New York Times. In uh, 2017, he wrote an article called uh, Learning to Deal with the Imposter Syndrome. Yeah. And he, he quoted uh, Maya Angelou, of all mm-hmm. people. Uh, and she said, uh, it, this one uh, speech that she was giving, she said, I have written 11 books, and each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. Yeah. <laughs> I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. Mm-hmm. Now, here was an 80-year-old woman, you know, delivering this uh, uh, in uh, 20, uh, tw- sorry, 2015, so four years right. ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, she was pretty famous by that point. She, she was well-established, you know, a fascinating, fascinating history. Yeah. And Absolutely. here she was, you know, and uh, she's receiving some sort of a, a, an award, and she's going, I'm an imposter. They're going to find out. They're going to find out. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fascinating because, you know, I think that even when they do, we, you know, we only have to look at politics. We have to see where the fraud is. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the <laughs> imposters are, are sitting. And they'll get reelected. Sure. You know? They may not they may not form as some sort of a majority or be the the ultimate kingpin again, but they'll certainly still be out there. So it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like I think of it always as the social dynamic between the internal and the external. So the internal self and the external being the social world, right? Yes. So if we think about imposter syndrome as sort of the acceptance or rejection of the imposition of a certain social status on us or social identity on us, right? Then it's interesting because it's the internal person rejecting that social status on some, on some level, right? But it will always be reified. That social status can, can always and probably will always be reified by the people outside. So the resistance in a way is futile. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. It really is simply futile. Yeah. Because people are going to label you. They're going to call you. They're going to say, oh, you have a medical degree. You're a doctor whatever, right? Yep. Oh, you know, look at how accomplished you are. Doctors are this, 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 and this, and list off their top five criteria. They're going to do that regardless of whether you are that person or not. Mm-hmm. And that's their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Their, absolutely. That's their lack of curiosity about the world. But, but you know, if, they're, if, if what you're saying is, is true, like the, there's a decision being made that says, I'm not accepting your, your you know, your yeah. constructs, yeah. then why do I have so much angst? See, I can accept and say these beliefs are not mine. You know, I don't, I don't buy this church's beliefs anymore. Yeah, you know, because I moved, moved on or whatever. Uh, you know, but I don't have a whole lot of angst around it. Whereas, you know, this can, this is ang- it causes anxiety. It can lead to depression. It leads to uh, you know a lot of stress behaviors, acting out behaviors, um, as they respond to this this uh, extreme fear that they're going to be found out. So when you give up or resist a social status, a social uh, identity, right? Because that social identity is part of a greater economy, a social economy, you give up a lot, actually, right? You give up, you give up a lot. So of course, the giving up of certain things, right, is going to create, uh, create a lot of stress because you don't know, well, you know, if I give this social status up, if I say, no, 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 I'm not this, and really, really make that a public statement, then you run the risk of, well, you're just not going to know, well, what's going to take its place. Right, right. Right. Like I think of the lawyers downtown and 
you know, Wall Street and the, you know, the people who just habitually work 100 and dock at 110 hours a week and, and that sort of thing, right? When they walk away because they know they're going to die at their desk from a heart attack if they don't walk away, right. right? Like the story that's told about them is not, oh, gee, look at, they found their liberation, right? The story that's told about them is they couldn't cut it. So those people take a gigantic risk in sense of they might have oodles of money and be able to go and, you know, live on a beach in Greece or something, whatever their, their fantasy is, but they're still risking, you know, uh, having put upon them a certain social identity that actually they also resist. That doesn't reflect who they really are. Right. Right. The person who quit. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, do they know who they were? Yeah. Is really, yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm thinking that, you know, the more, I guess it's, again, it's a spectrum thing. The more one is, is you know, uh, subjected to this, uh, the, the more likely that they're going to, you know, lose touch with really who they are. Hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that sort of. Uh, that angst that's, that's building up there. Right. So I see what you, yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's about shame, right? For you. It's, oh, I think it's yeah, very it's much about, about shame. shame, right? Where it always comes back to the shame piece, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or somebody I can't accept. I see the shame because of the exposure piece. Yeah. Or they can't accept the good things about themselves, perhaps. No. Or, or the good qualities that have allowed them to accomplish whatever it is they have to because accomplish. Because they've been they given around. some sort of a really strong message there right. growing up that, uh, you know, who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. that, that you get, get to have, you know, good stuff and, and uh, you know, rise to the top of, of your intellectual world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and they'll, they'll also then explain away the fact that, um, you know, somebody, somebody, they just totally distrust the evaluation or the exams or the professional feedback that says that you're successful. Right. Your 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 opinion doesn't count. So compliments here actually is interesting because uh, they're totally invalidated. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, anyways. Yeah, that's what the inner dialogue is. You know, so you know, uh, it's it's like you know the whole thing is just uh, put away as as they're just gullible or well-meaning liars. Well, so I actually wonder then for somebody to discount somebody else's evaluation of them, right? Yeah. Like And a, a standard test. Look, you got a hundred out of a hundred. You got eighty out of a hundred. You whatever it is. This is your mark and here it is aggregated with a whole bunch of other marks and this is where you came out in the percentile you can't argue with math right for someone to discount that what i wonder is what was their expectations to begin with right well they have a very high opinion of uh, of their low self-esteem they have they have they trust their opinion as to what it should be over the specialists the experts the the whatever They'll, they're discounted, all right? So you're discounted. I believe that I know what's going on here. Right. Which, I mean, that's so paradoxical. It really is paradoxical. You know, it's, it's like, it's like uh, yeah, crazy paradoxical. I think we have a whole, I think we should be getting this in the DSM. I'm feeling a little confused and reflective at this moment. <laughs> well, good, because we're coming up to the top of another. <laughs> well, two minutes. Um Two minutes to get unconfused. <laughs> well, get unconfused, exactly. It is confusing because 
it doesn't it it's there's a, a huge paradox involved in this and that's why i think they call it a syndrome um mm. it hasn't been diagnosed it doesn't have all the this thing and this and this and this that has to exist in order for this to exist mm-hmm. right the way that you would normally get out of the dsm so uh it, it does it, it it is confusing and that's why i thought we should do a show about confusion right what i like <laughs> is this idea is the overconfidence they have overconfidence in their own low self opinion yes right i think that's key yes yeah i mean that's like though what yeah so here's somebody then that has it's almost a survival a survivor mentality Mm. is i know how to survive i know how to make it here and i'm not going to trust anybody else uh in case i don't survive right Right. So, I was thinking about it in terms of, okay, if you do something and you accomplish something and it turns out great, well, that's good, two thumbs up. But the flip side of that is if you work your ass off to accomplish something and you fail, then that would just be devastating. The devastation, mm. right? So to protect yourself from that potential devastation, you just go after things that you either don't want, right? And then you can discount them when you get them because you didn't want them anyway. Right. Right. Or you just completely devalue the very thing that you actually do want so that if you don't get it, then it's not such a big deal. Uh, it is. Yeah. And they pray that no one sees it. Yeah. Don't get caught. We have, we're going to get caught. Okay. We need to break. Makes total sense. <laughs> now, I want you to reflect over the next two minutes and, mm-hmm. and uh, come back with an answer to all this paradoxical behavior. So uh, we'll be right back. Uh, it's Gord and Jen, and this is Things Worth Considering. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. Um, today we're considering the imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm hyper-considering it. Hyper-considering it? Yeah. <laughs> like mega-consideration, oh, uber-consideration. No. Is this feeling like therapy for you? It kind of is. Well, what, what does that feel like? Well, there you Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I was just thinking too, thinking of certain clients, right? That mm. as a therapist, if you are validating somebody who has imposter syndrome, then you have probably oh. just... Uh, and validated yeah. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In their eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, that whole idea of holding space for somebody mm-hmm. isn't about validating that space. It's mm-hmm. just holding that space. I'm just never going to say nice things anymore yeah, to my I, clients. Yeah, well, I figured I, I'm not going to miss it. I didn't hear them that often uh, anyway. So. Exactly. Yeah, I like your shirt, though. Thanks. I'm a blurter. <laughs> you know what? I'm a blurter. If I like something, I just blurt. Oh, my God, that looks great. Or, wow. And then after I go, oh, that was kind of like socially inappropriate. Very socially and probably professionally unethical. Yeah. Well, not always with clients. But, you know. No, no, no. It's only with students. Somebody shows up and I'm like, oh, my God, I love your sweater. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Trade it for an A. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, here we are back at ethics again. <laughs> <laughs> it's all ethics. So uh, research shows um, uh, that people with a strong uh, imposter syndrome tendency uh, also have work-related consequences. Kind of makes sense to me. Hmm. So employees with strong tendencies, uh, they're more dissatisfied with their jobs. Um, they report less organizational citizenship behavior. In other words, they're not really a good team player. Not team player. No, they're going to isolate a whole lot. Um, and they express a stronger intention to to stay at their job only because the social and psychological cost of leaving is perceived as being too high. That's very interesting. That's a paradox. Right. You know, how many people bitch and bitch and yeah. bitch about, oh, I hate my job, I got to get another job, and and never take into consideration, because they don't know about it perhaps, the spiritual implication of putting that kind of energy out. Yeah. And then when they do get fired, yeah. <laughs> they're like, what the hell, how did this happen? Because for the last 10 years, you said you wanted another job. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. the universe, you know, it's like Sears. Eventually, if you phone in Sears long enough, their catalog will deliver something to you. Yeah. <laughs> Except there is no Sears anymore, you do realize. Uh, well, maybe in, yeah, I don't know, there's no Sears. Walmart. Okay, Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Walmart right? will deliver it. Huh. So th- do they end up staying in jobs then? Uh, because of the social implications. Because, because to change jobs is too demanding. It would be too demanding on their social uh, like their social skills. Well, yeah, and, and, and people's opinion. Hmm. Um, you risk a lot because now you have to go and look for another job you have to be interviewed you risk more exposure wow I'm really interested in how this all fits in with leadership right now so that is like nee 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 right nee 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 we need to do a show on that I'm going to go away and do some research on that Okay. because I bet you there's a strong correlation in terms of leadership styles Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. There okay. Is. Yeah. Nah. Well, you know, if you if we were to put this uh, for into a formula in terms of what would an imposter syndrome formula look like, mm-hmm. it would be like low self-efficacy. Okay. We know that that exists, and then plus maladaptive perfectionism. Right. Which it always is. I mostly. I, ha- perfe- I know I have a particular uh, love of perfectionism. I think there's a great way that you can do perfectionism perfectly, but that's actually a whole other thing. I have a whole theory about that, but okay. maladaptive perfectionism looks like 
what exactly, just for clarification? Uh, I, I don't know, because it doesn't fit your 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 definition, does it? No. People, people who try to do things over and over and over again to create something perfectly, and it never, it's never perfect, it never occurs. Okay. Okay. So what can also happen with maladaptive perfectionism is they're just not going to try. They'll throw something together and just say, well, that's the way I do it. Okay. Because they know that they can't meet their own internal standards. Right, right, that's right. That's maladaptive. Okay. Okay. Got it. So, and the tendency to more easily experience unpleasant emotions, Mm -hmm. such as anger, worry, and fear, which makes sense. If you're walking around with this stressful angst of being exposed, okay, it's, it's, uh, that the anger and the fear, they just come together. It's just it's like yeah. it's like a rage. It makes sense too. Like you know? if you've got low self-efficacy and maladaptive perfectionism, well, of course you're going to be angry because you've got all these things that you need to do perfectly, and people are just getting in the way, right? And blah blah blah, and you can't do them. But at the same time, you don't feel empowered enough to do them because the situations around you are in the way. Like those are the things that put up the roadblocks or the people around you or the things yeah. that put up the roadblocks, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, you're going to you know, be pissed off. You know, to just to, to you know, paint this, um, you know, shame is so insidious. I don't know how it ever came into the human psyche. Uh, and and it is used today mm. as a way of, of, you know, it's a driving force. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to shame you. Mm-hmm. And I'll shame you publicly. So, maybe there's a reason they feel this way, all right? In this imposter syndrome, it's really buried uh, uh, quite deeply. It's not recognized as that kind of shame. Uh, but if we can see that as almost like this entity, uh, it lives in the dark. Hmm. You know, it hides our secrets. It, it makes sure that no matter what, nobody will, is going to, you know, uh, have those secrets exposed. You know, our abuse and the trauma... Um, that our our shame tells us that we're responsible for those things. Right, right. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a fundamental part that happens in therapy, yeah. right? Is is just the, the the person who's been victimized stop blaming themselves, and that's a, that's not what that function of fear does. Right. Is is it makes you know my sexual abuse, you know, I that I'm responsible for that. Right. All right. So you know, one of the things is then. So how does that? change anything and that is is that shame absolutely tells us that we're flawed mm-hmm. it tells us we're unlovable mm-hmm. probably the responsible you know for all kinds of stuff but the one place that it can't exist is in the light right and i'm not being sort of physical woo woo here okay and that is is that it, we have to talk about it that's bringing it into the light the more people talk about you know sort of their what they're experiencing somatically which mm-hmm. really hits the body as well as emotionally th- shame begins to heal mhm no it's not going to go poof and be all gone overnight but uh, one of the ways of dealing with this, for instance, uh, imposter syndrome, is to to you know be very social and talk to people and to find people who have the same thing. Right. And and which and isn't just hard because seventy percent of people have it. Well, yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be hard. Don't we have to look hard. I think I'm. I think we should have imposter groups. Yeah. There. So who are you today? <laughs> Who's your favorite non-person? Yes, exactly. Who's <laughs> your favorite alternative? Nixon. Song? I am not a crook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we we talk a lot in uh, on our show because about shame, it, it it just rises up because the very things that we talk about 
are susceptible to being very shame-based. Right. And I think also, too, right? I mean, so you're right about shame being a primary mechanism in our culture for uh, regulating people and controlling people, right? And creating connection and, and creating separation. Yep. But it's also something that happens when the, when the the very moment that we individuate as a very young infant, when our self actually takes shape as something separate from the people around us, especially our mother, yep. right? Or whoever are you talking is terrible twos? Well, I, you know, I, it's a, it's that thing, the very first time you hear no, <laughs> yes. right? Or the very first time you scream and you realize that the breast that you're screaming for because you're starving actually belongs to someone else and you don't have control over it, right? Right? That it's subject to someone else's will. Oh my God, I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think it goes back really far, right? Yeah. That's the moment when you realize that you have to sublimate aspects of yourself in order to get something from somebody else that you want. And exactly. That's, that's the basis of, you know, the whole idea, like Freud's whole stuff on, we come together in groups of people, we can live together because of the human capacity to repress, right? Absolutely. If we could not repress, even before we even know what repression is, yep. right, then we would not be able to be together because we would be so unregulated. Right. So society is about the regulation of the psyche, which is regulated through shame because that second that you hear no, you think, oh, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. And we learn, that's the moment we learn to hide. Yeah, that's right. right? That's the moment we learn to mani- uh, manipulate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? What do you mean? Oh, that's come the, on. That, and that's like law. Don't say no to me. Yeah, exactly. That's the neoliberal economic self, right? What do you have to negotiate? What do you have with neoliberalism? What? I oh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> another thing that keeps coming up with, shame. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so tell us how you can get over this. How do well, we get over it? You know, get over it. Get really, over really. It. Just tell them to get over just it. You stop know what? it. That's the worst thing you can do because they can't just get over it. Right. You, they just cannot just get over it. Um, one of them is, okay, so there's a couple of things I've, I've, I've written down here. One is get social. Get social at work mm. uh, and, and interact with people. Whenever we have a shame piece happening, and I'm going to identify this as a shame piece, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we're always going to collapse inside. Mm. We're going to we're going to withdraw. We're going to pull in. You know, it's like when I talk about fear, fear causes us to contract. Right. It doesn't give us that presence. It doesn't. You know. And so when you have all that playing. What we have to do is get this person uh, or people that are, you know, interacting and with high quality relationships. And that is there are four components to a high quality relationship. That's trust, a sense of play, respectful engagement and empowerment. Right. So what I hear in those four components is not what I do for other people so they'll depend on me. That's right. Right. So I read this part like in my mind, I think of this as a. Overcoming the fundamental confusion between love and need. If they need me, they will love me, which is the message that so many of us get in our culture. If they need me, they will love me, right? Yep, yep. And so how can you create abiding and strong relationships where you feel like you can come to the table with your secrets, right? Being the fullest version of yourself with vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And those annoying habits that we all have and still feel like you're going to be okay. Right. 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 Um, I, I think that, you know, that's why it's really identified as high quality relationships. Mm. It's also everyone has some sort of work to do to get over 
what we're talking about, sort of an early childhood cha- uh, training, mm-hmm. and and just that whole interaction, how how we had to shut down, we had to be quiet, and if we weren't quiet, then there was all ramifications for that. So really, being a, being a social being and a growing up is really really difficult. Right. Right. I, uh, that's why I live under the table here. <laughs> <laughs> I just talk to the dogs when they come by. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, uh, of course, uh, building building up uh, our self-efficacy. Right. No. I think, you know, building up your self-efficacy is also tied to this idea of, you know, of having the beginner's mind, recognizing that we all start somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. um, y- you, can, you can recognize the benefits of being a novice. So when you recognize the benefits of being a novice, then a lot of the perfectionism, it provides a context per- for the perfectionism. Oh, right? totally, totally. It, it, it's also a place to keep you at that space. Sure. To not move forward. The perfectionism just says, eh, eh, this is too hard. Yeah, and it allows us to be driven by curiosity right. rather than, oh, my God, you know, fear. I better get this right because otherwise people are going to know that I'm really not as good as it, at this as people think I might be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So building uh, self-efficacy, what the hell does that mean? Uh I mean, mastering tasks and, and uh, uh, experiencing your success. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, these people aren't getting it in. They, we actually have to say thank you as a, you know, take a compliment and just say thank you. Right. And don't go, ah, this whole thing for five bucks? So it's a belief. Self-efficacy is really a belief. Structure. It is it's a belief. Mindset, it is. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if it's a belief, then it can also be be uh, trained. Right. For you know, sure. It's like, right? it's like teaching resilience. It can be done. Some have a little bit more than others, but it can be taught. Observe others. Identify a, a person or a few people that you admire and watch how they handle and achieve success. You know? Yeah. That's, that's always interesting to be able to watch that. Hearing others urge you on. Get it. Get your own cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. pom poms. Yeah. Yeah. Short skirts. But you know, here's an interesting <laughs> thing. You can have cheerleaders, and that's great. You can build a team. But then underneath that is just because you have people cheering you on to do something. The question is always, do you want to do that? Do you want to do that? Right. And, ju- and do you believe do them? Do you believe them? Do you want to do it? Yeah. yeah. And do you believe and them? Do you believe right? them? Here's one. Turn your inner critic into your inner coach. Go team, yeah. 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 Um, really, because that, that inner critic will just slam the hell out of you, whereas, you know, the the inner coach is like, come on, you can get up and do it. But, you know, in reality, this whole thing is, is the imposter phenomena really as, you know, Tina Fey, Seth mm. Grogan, mm. and recently have all talked about being caught up in that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it can be very, very immobilizing. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, Dr. Amy Cuddy writes in her her new book called Presence: uh, The more we communicate about our fears and anxieties, and the smarter we are about how they operate, the easier they'll be to shrug off the next time they pop up. It's a game, and we can win it. Starts with awareness. That's it, what I'm hearing. It starts with awareness. Inside into self. I'm very aware. That we are running out of time here, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, this is an interesting subject. It might just wear its head. Uh, so uh, we'll give you some advance uh, uh, notice for October 31st, a couple of weeks from now. Um, actually, uh, next week is going to be uh, uh, Andrew Kun talking about Nindra, I rest, Nindra Yoga, and the internal family systems, which is quite a fascinating interview. And uh, the week after that is Halloween. Woo! 
The 31st, and we're actually yeah, on the air on the 31st. So yeah. Can we talk about aliens? Be prepared to listen on the 31st. Aliens. Aliens. They're here. They're with us. They are with us. And on that note, we're leaving you. <laughs> Have a great week, folks, and thank you for tuning in. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.